This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Jennifer Edwards. I was Miss Kyle on Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. Welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Justin Ozer. Amy is away this week, but joined with me today is Richard Marquez. Richard, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm still recovering from last episode, so you know, I was going to say yeah. from your from your first game master experience, you're recovering, right? Yeah, yeah, is um, it was a trip. I, I actually quite liked it, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm recovering from my first RPG experience. You uh, had me scared in part of it, so I won't spoil it if listeners haven't heard. It, but you scared me a lot at one point. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so, but I've recovered from that, and it was. Lots and lots of fun. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, next week we can we can officially talk about it because it comes out this Tuesday. That's coming up. As of well, this, this one's recording. coming out after the other one. As of this recording, yeah. it hasn't come out, but nobody can hear it. Anyway, right. time travel. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we do have a special guest today, but first uh, let's talk about uh, Babel Conference feedback from Earl Grey 249. Uh, that's our Lost Episodes Part 3, where we had a lot of fun talking about two unproduced episodes, including Return to Forever, that would have had two Spocks and The Guardian of Forever. So, Richard, do you want to start us off with the first piece of feedback there? Karen Burke said, I'm new to Earl Grey and love it, and we're happy that you're with us <laughs> and listening. Really enjoy the discussions and interviews. Thanks for making my trip to work in the gym workout so much more enjoyable. Amy, Justin, and Richard. I have to catch up on the older episodes. So much to listen to. Indeed you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, we're always pleased to have, have new listeners. Uh, yeah, your first one is 249, so there's 248 more to go. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of workouts. I, I do find it interesting what people do as they're listening to the podcast. I, I tend to be like working on my computer and listening at the same time, but I know other people are commuting or like Karen here on their gym workouts. Um, I'm just curious like what you guys are doing while you listen to Earl Grey, so feel free to drop us a comment to tell us what you do when you're listening. I'm just so glad that someone listens to us during their workouts. That that's yeah, that's like energizing them, empowering them. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I would love to know what that looks like. <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> Kimberly Lawler says, fascinating to hear about these older script ideas. For myself, I would somewhat disagree with Amy and Justin in that I would not have wanted to see the forever script. While you mentioned how it would have changed a lot in TNG, including unification, I don't think you mentioned Sarek, which I rank as one of my all-time top TNG episodes for the wonderful portrayals by Mark Leonard and Patrick Stewart. 
If Forever had happened first, I don't think we would have gotten Sarek, certainly not with the same impact on our cast with a TOS character coming back. And that gets to the other reason I didn't like this script. It didn't actually have much to do with the TNG cast. Data and Spock might have interacted, but it didn't sound like it was that meaningful in the script, whereas Sarek was almost equally about Picard as about Sarek. Patrick Stewart gave us one of the best acting jobs in the whole show in the mind meld breakdown scene, including a mention of the yet unseen Spock there, and his scenes with Leonard were fantastic. You also get deeper themes of aging, mental illness, and family. Nothing like that really seemed present in the Forever script, which was just a Spock episode set in the TNG timeline. So perhaps it would have been interesting, but on the whole, I think it was better left unproduced. But thank you for sharing it. Yeah, thanks for your feedback, Kimberly. That's really interesting. I I guess we hadn't thought about the impact it would have had on Sarek, which, as you mentioned, is an incredible episode. It's really good and one of the, probably the best in in the whole run. And um, and the performances by Patrick Stewart and Mark Leonard are, are amazing. Now, I think because this was an early outline, it may have developed more, so it wouldn't have quite have been so Spock-centric, but your point's very well taken about that, and it's an interesting perspective. What do you think about that, Richard? Yeah, I mean, she brings up a a very good point. Um, You know, I mean, obviously, um, she's right. I mean, it does, it's it's very centralized around TOS and um, doesn't really do much impact on the um, Next Generation crew, but I mean, I'm sure they could always cut in peace, and I'm sure they could put something about, I don't know, so maybe a first mention of Alexander or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It, like it seems like maybe they would have put in some B plot that was more central to TNG characters, but who knows? Yeah. Interesting yeah, to very think much about. so, yeah. <laughs> so Matt DT said, just started uh started this episode on my ride into work. Great stuff. Love hearing about material that never makes it to the screen. As do I. Yeah, I, I love this stuff and trust me, we've got plenty more coming. <laughs> We've got a number of different episodes just from this book I have, and there's probably, I think there are others that I found that aren't even in this book, so there's going to be many parts. <laughs> so glad you like that. We very much enjoy talking about these things with you. All right, so Zach Moore says, and this is in quotes, you're not thinking fourth dimensionally. During TNG season two, 2365, this was young Spock, and Zach shared uh, uh, an image of uh, Spock from one of the movies. Might have been Star Trek 2, I think. No recast necessary. Nimoy would have played both Spocks. And you know, thank you, Zach, for pointing that out. I felt pretty silly (laughs) when I saw that. I was like, yeah, of course. It wouldn't have been during TOS. They said it was 78 years before, which would have been right after the voyage home. Nimoy would have done both, of course. So I can't believe I didn't think about that while we were recording. Uh, The the, the image, I don't know. Was it two or is that four? I was thinking it was like... Five, because it's the blue planet. That's why I was saying it's like oh, is it in the Star background. Yeah, yeah, could be. But anyway, even yeah. if it's not like what would have been current around TNG season <laughs> two, I mean the point's well taken. It would have been the Spock that we see in the movies, yeah. not the Spock that we would have seen in TOS. So, thank you, Zach, for setting me straight. Just can't believe I didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it makes sense. Like you know, you wouldn't have wanted to have. Leonard Nimoy on and he's not doing much because like he's unconscious (laughs) so yeah yeah so in addition to the Babel conference feedback uh, as we mentioned in in the episode this came from an outline that was released by the at Trek Docs Twitter account uh, which is maintained by some people that worked on uh, Star Trek previously but it's anonymous we don't know who they are but (laughs) they clearly have lots of great behind the scenes information and they provided some some feedback so they they shared uh, the episode on their Twitter account and said 
Great discussion on the Return to Forever outline on the new episode of the Earl Grey podcast. Check it out. So they're recommending their followers. Check it out. Mm. And then I responded, thank you for listening. Glad you enjoyed the discussion. Any insights into why Return to Forever didn't get past the outline stage? I assume it was because Leonard Nimoy wasn't available or it was a budget concern, but we were curious about that. And then uh, at TrekDocs responded, don't know for sure, but likely a budget issue. Also, he probably would have played young Spock. You don't get Nimoy and then stick him in a coma all episode. (laughs) So reinforcing (laughs) Zach's point, of course. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm guessing that uh, based on their TV budget, they may not have been able to afford to have Nimoy there at that point. But later on, I think they were able to get him within the budget in the fifth season because it was a cross promotion with Star Trek VI. So Mm -hmm. that's probably why it didn't happen. So very interesting what if though Makes <laughs> for sense. that script yeah yeah and we appreciate all the the feedback all right so let's get into the episode so also join with us today is a special guest uh Haley stoddard of standard orbit so Haley, welcome to earl gray hello thank you for beaming me over i appreciate it <laughs> yes so so wonderful to have you here uh now you have been on earl gray uh before as part of a crossover we did with the standard orbit crew uh and also on the episode to talk about the card series uh announcement but i think this is the first time we've had you just just you as the guest (laughs) so for for our listeners uh i mean hopefully they're already listening to standard orbit if if you aren't you should be because it's a great show about the original series but uh for our listeners just tell us about your history with star trek if they might not be aware of it Uh, Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, Definitely my first time here with you guys. So this is exciting and fun. I, you know, I came into Trek when I was younger. I don't remember when I first started watching it and then rediscovered my love for the series probably about 2011, 2012. And I've been immersed in it like nobody's business. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've gone to Las Vegas uh, five years now, I think, at this point. Oh, wow. Um, In a row? uh, Yeah, in a row. Wow. I know. Well, (laughs) okay. it's quite a commitment. The the first two years were not just for the convention. The first year actually was to go to a concert. And then I discovered, like, probably about a month beforehand that the convention happened there. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to go. And my dad jokingly told my daughter uh, when we were eating dinner one night that uh, I was going to be aboard the mothership and not come back. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, yeah, and then the next year I went, not necessarily for that, just a vacation, but then the last three years I've gone just for the convention. Um, I have so much stuff I can't even tell you, and I have like five Star Trek tattoos out of ten at this point, so... Impressive. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I mean, that you know, that makes it a more permanent commitment, right? When you have a tattoo that's Star Trek. <laughs> it, it definitely is, um, for sure. I, you know, uh, but I love them. And it's great because some people don't know what they are. And then I've been at the convention and I've had people come up and they go, oh, that's Vulcan calligraphy, right? And I'm like, yeah. And it's sparked conversations, which has always been super fun. Yeah, and, and much more likely that at a Star Trek convention, someone would know what it was than to the general public. Exactly. <laughs> Most people think it's like music related, and I'm like, no, but that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, and that's wonderful. And I know you're definitely very immersed, very active on, on Twitter and with Standard Orbit and guesting on other shows. So yes. just 
Yeah, it's yeah. been fun. <laughs> <laughs> so wonderful to, to, to have you here as, as our guest today. So you wanted to talk about uh, Jordi LaForge today, and I think I saw that he's one of your favorite characters. So tell us your thoughts on, on Jordi and uh, why you like him as a character. Yeah, Jordi actually is my favorite. Uh, I was inspired, obviously, by, by Dr. Crusher and Counselor Troy, but I love Jordi. And it's not just because I love LeVar Burton and watched Reading Rainbow. I, I just love his character so much. I think he gets a lot of crap, I think. You know, obviously mm-hmm. he's really bad at relationships. So am I. But, you know, he's his character grows so much, I think, over mm-hmm. the series. And he learns a lot. And, and I just, I think it's amazing that despite, and this is something I've talked about um, on another podcast, but he's blind. And despite Pulaski saying, I could fix this and I could give you actual eyes and take away the headaches and the pain that you're feeling from your visor and these implants, he doesn't want to. And I think that is such a testament to his character that he's like, no, I don't want to. And yes, later on, we see him in first contact and he's got these really awesome eyes, which are really cool, but they're still not like normal functioning eyes like everybody else on the crew has. They're these Mm -hmm. awesome bionic super eyes that have like, he can like zoom in on things. It's really cool. But it's like, it's, it's like, I think of it as like a more advanced version of the, of the visor. Although I don't know if they really say whether he can see all of those wavelengths like he does with the visor. Yeah. So he sees a little bit differently, but I just, I think it's amazing. And how many times does his visor save the day? <laughs> yes, we actually had a, <laughs> a, a, a listener who made a topic suggestion talking about all the times Jordy's visor saves the day. Maybe that'll come up today. But uh, yeah, it is. Well, it saves the day, but sometimes also it loses the day. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. I mean, it's true, but... But I just, I think his character development is just great. I just, I love Jordy. No, that, I mean, that's great. I mean, I think that LeVar Burton is an amazing actor and that Jordy is a great character. Unfortunately, does get criticism for, for some different things. I think a lot of it isn't warranted. Uh, but I, I actually, he's actually a character that I really like and I wish they would have done even more with because I think there tends, especially later on, to be more around like Picard and Data and Worf than like Jordy and Riker and Troy and things like that. So Yeah, exactly. See, I've always associated Jordy as the person who does really well with the Tendo Babble. That's how I always saw saw him. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it I don't know how many takes they, they do on it or how many bloopers he <laughs> might do. I don't know. But it's it it feels like he it's like he just walks on stage, does the line, then walks off, sort of thing. You know what I mean? It's like it seems like it flows it right natural. out of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Natural. Yeah, there mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, you know, it's amazing. I, I got to actually, I remember the first, I had shortly joined Twitter and I was, I was on the bus to school. And this is just a little fun personal insight. I tweeted at LeVar and asked him a question about the visor and if he could actually see out of it. Because I remember I grew up in the 80s. I had a banana clip. And that is what inspired his visor. Because if you look at a banana clip, listeners, go take a look at at Google banana clip and Google Jordy's visor. It is the same thing. (laughs) Who did not have a banana clip or had a sister that had a banana clip and put that on your eyes like Jordy? But I asked him (laughs) if he could actually see out of that. (laughs) And, 
And he said he couldn't. He had to learn, like, where he was supposed to stop on set and kind of learn. And he had to learn how to move around set without bumping into things. And it took him a couple of seasons before he did that. And I freaked out on the bus because he he tweeted me back. And I people were looking at me weird. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, like, and and you get used to, like, you've you've seen TNG a lot. You get used to it. Like, oh, Jordy has this visor. but, But I think when I was first watching TNG, I was like, oh, that's really different. Different and like, how does LeVar Burton see it? Apparently, he didn't really see well out of that, so he had like this extra level. I think it's almost like some of the the uh, the actors that have to act through prosthetics, and they have like this extra layer they have to act through because he has to. Because you're, I mean, like a lot of times when you're watching someone act, you see things through their eyes, but you can't do that when Jordy has his visor on, so he has to get across what he's going to get across without that thing that that is so essential a lot of times to, to seeing, you know, what's going on or how you're supposed to feel about a scene. So yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's pretty incredible. Well, and he talks about, you know, um, that he had a hard time with it. It actually did start to give him headaches and, and, Oh, just like, just like Jordy says, it gives him headaches. (laughs) It gave LeVar Burton headaches. They they had little screws that they would use and it would go in. And so he actually, he actually had headaches himself and, you know, wait, there there were screws that would, Kind of, yeah, the, but they would just kind of go blunt up against his temple. So probably they oh, had like okay. some makeup underneath to kind of hold it in and stuff. But yeah, and then, and he he had to learn how to emote without using his eyes. And he's an actor that emotes that way with his eyes. And he's got beautiful eyes. And so to learn how to do all this emotion without all that, because he had that over his eyes, was just... So the actor himself portrayed this character who I thought was just amazing. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, no, it's great to hear that uh, that that perspective because I haven't actually heard all that many fans that say Jordy's their favorite character in TNG. So I shocked John Krikorian with that. He's like, Jordy's your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I know when you when you're on Trek profiles, right? Yeah, he's like, really? And it's like, well, he's yeah, he's somebody's favorite, and he's exactly. your favorite for the reasons you gave. So. So, um, no, it's great to have that background. So what we'll be talking about in the main part of the show today is badass Jordy moments. Now, this is a bit of a follow-up to one we did previously with guest Nick Anastasio, where he wanted to talk about badass Picard moments. You wanted to talk about Jordy. I thought, let's talk about badass Jordy moments. Uh, so we've each got uh, three picks and possibly some honorable mentions, and we'll go around with those. And Haley, because you're a guest and you love Jordy so much, give us your first moment. All right. My first one, it's almost pretty much just the entire episode. It is uh, The Enemy. Mm. Again, this is kind of one of those Doherty's visor kind of saves him and it saves us Romulan. But I think it's great because, you know, we all know through TNG, the Romulans think awful of the Federation, think that we're trying to do all this stuff. And by the end, you you realize that Bokra kind of is like, oh, well, maybe the Federation is not what the Romulan Empire has been telling me and working together with this person who's blind and helping him see to get us out of this situation. I just, I think it's great what it, it's awful what happens to get him there. But I love, I love that growth and that development of both Jordy in that episode and the Romulan Bokra, if I'm saying his name right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean that we've talked about it a little bit on Earl Grey before, but that is a fantastic episode that I think tends to get overlooked a bit. But uh, it's 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 a really great episode, and I think what's great about what Jordy does is 
He's put into this situation and with this Romulan who's really hostile and he, he gives the guy a chance. The guy takes advantage of it, but he finds a way. He's just like really tenacious about it. Like we're going to find a way to get out of this together. I don't care if you know, you're seen as the Federation's enemy. I'm going to do everything it takes to get us out of the situation together. And what's great about it is in doing that, I think this is one where Tomalak comes by and because of the recommendation of this centurion, it kind of diffuses the situation. So yeah, that's great. And I think as we talked about with the previous one with Nick, like being badass doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, punching people or shooting people. It can be, because if you, I think if you look it up, it, badass means like tough and uncompromising. So that's very much what he is in that episode. And I think it's, yeah, the whole thing is is just a great series of moments for him. What do you think, Richard? Well, we know my 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 opinion about that episode, but <laughs> I, I yeah, mean, but I, I had to ask you. <laughs> I know, I know. It, it, I, I mean, it's not my favorite episode. I mean, as I said before, it's it, it it's it's one of those ones I uh, that I skip over after we uh, we actually discussed it and everything. And you know, it makes sense. I mean, it, it is. I mean, I guess over. Um, I mean, I guess maybe it's the overall episode that I really wasn't really uh, too enthusiastic about. But mm. like for sure. The character development that Jordy has with is a you said Bork, I think right? it's Bakra. Bakra sounds yeah, like a game. That's what I remember. Well, there is a game called Bakarat. It's close. No, no, no. I know, but I say it sounds like a game. <laughs> but like, okay, so Bakra or whatever. Yeah, something like <laughs> uh, that. A centurion. Yeah. He's a centurion. Yeah. So like, I mean, yeah, I, it's. I, it brings up a good point about uh, you know uh, uh, what was going on in that time frame. I, I think it dealt with. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you know, but it was it was a great character moment. It really was for him, and um, yeah, getting over your differences and working together. So yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting because you know Jordy loses the ability to lo- use his visor, and they mm-hmm. have to use it to save the day. So essentially, he is like even more blind because now he can't see anything. Yeah, and now he, because I, I, I like it, the visor is really interesting because in in he he's blind without it. But with it, it can be an advantage in some of the things he can see. So it's kind of taking away some of that advantage. So he has to really use his persuasive abilities <laughs> yeah. in order to, is to he get bl- to where he needs to go. Is he blind with those white contacts? Yeah, I think that's I think that's supposed to represent that he can't actually see anything without the visor. It's mm. a good question. I haven't ever thought of asking Lavar, but that would be a good question to ask him if he couldn't see through those either. Oh, you mean uh, like the actor himself, the, mm-hmm. like through yeah. the milky white yeah, yeah. contacts? I don't think he could probably see through those either. I don't know because I because you could you can kind of see his eyelid or his um his, the iris of his eye or the cornea of his eye, can't you? Or at least, I, or at least that's what no, I remember. No, they looked pretty mm. opaque. I think they it was pretty. Yeah, it was covering like that whole part, and that must have been uncomfortable too. Sounds like a follow up uh, for you to tweet <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> You should copy the the original tweet and then. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, I'd have to find that. That was years ago. <laughs> that was years ago. But 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 yeah, it's like it's like even when the actor Lavar Burton doesn't have the visor on, they put in these like milky contacts, and mm-hmm. if he could see, it was probably very little. So probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think up until first contact, you almost never see like Lavar Burton's actual eyes, right? No. Which is incredible. Like I, I'm just trying to think of well, not anything like eyes. that somewhere else. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the color. I mean, the color of his eyes. That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's really something. But well, I think it's a great choice, Haley, and two to one, it's a great choice. Sorry, Richard. 
<laughs> I know it's not your thing. Now, here's what I'll be interested um, about because, uh, well, let me ask this first. What are your thoughts on on Jordy, Richard? Uh, besides his relationship problems that uh, clearly that we've mentioned here on Earl Grey quite a bit. I mean, I I, I like um, I like Jordy. I mean, he's a he's a great supporting actor. I really think that he could do a lot. He, they could have done a lot more with him. Like a lot more than what they like, uh, a lot more what they already did uh, with him in this. Now, granted, they, like he's pr- he's practically in every single episode, doing the technical babble and all that kind of stuff and all that. He he is like in the main credits, so he's right. a regular cast member. But I think you're right; the way that they use him sometimes <laughs> feels a bit supporting. Uh, yeah, and that's that's kind of how I see Jordy is. I mean, yeah, we do get a few of them, but like, it's like I don't feel like I feel like they could have done a lot more with him hmm. than mm-hmm. just what they gave him in okay. past relationships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, based on what he was able to do, what is your first choice for a badass Jordy moment? Um, I so it was very difficult for me to actually go through this uh go through this and I actually had to get help from other sources. So, just to get some episode names. I'll, I'll admit I, I I did as well because I was I was just trying there weren't things that were coming up off the top of my head except for one, which is my first choice. So, I had to look through <laughs> I actually looked through Memory Alpha and I was like, "Okay, let's see all the stuff that Jordy's done." And I was like, "Oh, that's it." <laughs> I thought there was more. Yeah. But yeah. But but let, let, let's see. We may have some some overlap. <laughs> I, I actually had to go and watch them too because I some of them I forgot. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. I gotta look. I gotta watch this again. So <laughs> my <laughs> so my first one was Samaritan Snare. Some Samaritan Snare. Yeah, okay. Samaritan Snare with, um, with the so, pack lids. Yeah, the pack mm-hmm. lids. Yep, exactly. And I just I'm like watching over it. And I'm like, you know, that scene that he's like able to uh, figure out the plan and everything, and just by. I, I would I don't know I don't, maybe it's maybe it's something that they all know I don't know but like they you know give them these bits and pieces of information of a plan that mm. I didn't even I, I mean I, I can't even imagine if someone's watching it for the first time would ever figure that out so I mean hands off to the <laughs> engineer that doesn't have any weapons experience for uh for actually figuring that out and I guess outsmarting the packlets if that's even possible. Hey, they're smarter than they look at first, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was part of the idea. But yeah, I mean that that's an episode where I think like, oh, the pack lids. <laughs> yeah. And and uh with I don't know. I, I have a lot of thoughts about them. I think that I, I can't tell sometimes if it's just like, oh, you know, they're looking for some comedic value or if they're really supposed to be less intelligent or more intelligent. I don't know. But but yeah, he's stuck in kind of this difficult situation, but they go through this plan to to fool them, that's that that's pretty interesting. And it's a good thing that Troy wasn't there because she would have foiled the entire episode. <laughs> so. It's a good thing Amy's not here today. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'll speak for Amy. Good thing Troy wasn't there. <laughs> Troy should be there all the time. <laughs> well, no, that's or, a that's a good pick. I almost picked that one. So, or at least she was. It's a good thing she wasn't there in the beginning of the episode. There you go. What when they encountered the packlets? So. Yeah, and there are different times where Troy's not there when it would have just unraveled the whole thing. <laughs> Wait a minute, they're being deceptive. I <laughs> sense deception. <laughs> so, all right, great. You, you guys are surprising me because I thought that in your first pick, or maybe it's in a later pick, you would have the one that I'm going to pick, which is the f- absolute first one that came to mind for me. And that is from the first season episode, Arsenal of Freedom. So that's the episode where uh, there's this, I guess you could say, weapon system these like mobile weapon systems that kind of go rogue and they have trouble controlling them 
and Jordy ends up being in command because uh, I think a lot of the officers are are down on the on the planet. And what I I really love is that this is early on. Jordy isn't you know the engineering chief. He's basically helm piloting the ship, but because of what's happened, he has to take command, and he does a fantastic job. You know the 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 ship has to be has to be separated, so he's commanding the star drive section, and then they're pursued by these crazy weapon platforms. Um, and then he does this really risky maneuver where he takes the star drive section into the atmosphere. They're losing the shields, but he just kind of sticks with it and he knows exactly what to do in order to uh, destroy this weapon system that's right behind them. It's just, I actually like kind of cheer whenever I see that because he just does such a great job. And it's so rare that you actually see him in command on TNG. And this is one of those early times where I think one of the first times maybe where you could really see the potential of the character because before that it's like he was at helm and doing a few things but this is early on this is like i don't know sixth or seventh episode or something maybe it was later but it was first season and uh, i just love that that whole sequence what do you guys think about it it's episode 121 or uh 21 21. Uh, season one (laughs) it's it's later than i thought it was but it's still but it's still season one and i don't think you'd seen jordy do too much up to that point right right yeah remember this is actually my second pick. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> because exactly, Jordy in command. And it's really just great. And, you know, he's up against, um, you know, he's got the person who's like, oh, I should be in command. You shouldn't be in command because I'm higher mm. up ranking than you. And he sticks to his, is like, no, Picard said I am in charge. And until either he or Riker gets back. I'm in command, and it's Logan, Lieutenant Logan. Yeah, you're right. I've, I've even forgot about that scene because I just watched the one where they were going into the atmosphere. But yeah, he gets challenged, and he's like, nope, I'm going to do it. So yeah, he's very firm about it. <laughs> exactly, and it's it's great, you know? And we get the USS Lollipop. <laughs> yes, a good ship. <laughs> I love that episode. I think it's one of the best in, in season one, and it really definitely shows how great Jordy can be. I, I'm trying to think like how many other times you actually see him in command during this at any time in TNG. <laughs> I'm trying to blank a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it really doesn't happen very often because I think, you know, if Picard's not there, it's Riker. If Riker's not there, it's Data. And then I think after he becomes chief engineer, it's Jordy, but that just doesn't come up much. <laughs> so yeah, th- it's really great. And I wish we would have seen him in command more. That's That's for sure. Had to wait to Voyager to see him as a captain. But anyway. <laughs> so any other thoughts on Arsenal of Freedom and Jordy? Did I have a feeling we had we talked about Echo Papa, uh, Papa 607, didn't we? We, ta- oh, we didn't yes, talk we did. about it on a... Well, we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording on the role-playing one. Right? Oh, that's right. That's what you were thinking of. Okay. Little secret thing our listeners didn't hear. <laughs> All right. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> you had like your your camera drone that was showing us the dice rolls that you had, and you called it Echo Papa 607. <laughs> that's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I know. You do these things, and you're like, did we record that? Did listeners hear that? <laughs> I was like, I remember that. I was like, I don't remember. I was like, it, was, it, was it a character? No. <laughs> no, <Nope, So>. no. <laughs> okay. All right. Excellent. So, uh, Haley, your second choice. Well, you gave my second one. So, we, we yeah. So, that oh, one's out. <laughs> so, 
so so it was the one from Arsenal of Freedom where yeah, they're going Yeah, it was into Arsenal of Freedom, yeah. Well, and, you know, I think it's great because, you know, he goes into Captain Picard's ready room and he's sitting there, you know, coming up with this plan and Troy comes in and kind of gives him that push to believe in himself because he's kind of doubting himself. And she's like, you can do this, and and you're in charge. The captain left you in charge. And he comes out, and he's just like, you know what? You're right. I am in charge. And and that's just – I that episode's great. I think it's, it's very TOS reminiscent, this planet with this computer that's mm-hmm. gone awry. <laughs> and, you know, you beam down the captain <laughs> – Come on, it's it's very TOS reminiscent. Let's beam down all the higher ups and leave the slightly less higher ups in charge of the ship. That always works, <laughs> but but it does because Jordy saves the day and it's great. So absolutely. So we'll go yeah. into Richard second because we talked about. <laughs> okay, <mine. laughs> all right. So 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 your second choice, Richard. So mine would be the no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Arsenal Freedom. No. no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I didn't even think about Arsenal Freedom to to be quite honest. Really? Because it was the very first thing I thought of. <laughs> well, the first one I thought of was uh, Leah Brahms. That was the th- that was the very very first one. It, the, but is that a it? badass moment? I don't think so. <laughs> well, not mind, not not uh, mind shit. But I actually did choose Galaxy's Child. Our you did Child. okay. I did. So tell us why. <laughs> and okay, I know it's a little cynical, but like, but like. I love that, uh, like, the beginning of this whole entire episode, he's building himself up, loves the idea that he's going to talk to Leah Brahms and everything, because obviously we know from, um, not Starship Mind, what is that, what, uh, something, mi- uh, that Mind Starship, so anyway. Oh, no, 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 it, it, it's uh, Booby Trap. Booby thinking. Trap, there you go, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Booby Trap. So, like, he's getting, uh, getting himself all worked up, you know, thinking about what he's going to say to her, and then he gets crushed when when he meets her yeah and it's not because of the crust <laughs> it's because you know after a while you know he, he you know he figures out that he she's he's she's finally she's finally married or that he he finally uh, figures out by her telling him though obviously um that yeah. he's married and then he fi- and then at the end they they become amicable and he doesn't take it as personal or anything like that and i actually like that in a character that can actually go through some kind of loss like that and then mm. be able to rally himself and recover and well, I mean, they kind of have to. They only have forty minutes, but <laughs> yeah. But and, and then shortly after that, they put together this this plan that will right. Is that the one? Yeah. That so, Galaxy's Child is the one where they have the space bearing organism, and they've right. Mm-hmm. And and they where, and they've attached themselves to the to the hull. Yeah. Where they try to wean the baby bearing, off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, they, and so they get this plan to do it. And yeah, he's devastated by this thing, but he's able to pick himself up, and they they work it out to save the ship. Jordy saves the day again. There you go. <laughs> So, yes. all right, I like that. I like that. Wait, what do you think about that, Haley? No, I, I can see Richard's point that, you know, he does kind of, oh, okay, you know, I, I created this thing and he kind of realizes that he's created all of this emotion and feeling and everything like that and that she would have that for him in his head and and kind of realizes that, oh, yeah, I did that. That was, that was me. That wasn't anything to do with her. And, and he does kind of bounce back from that, and which is great because not all the time do we see people coming back from stuff that's happened <laughs> in previous episodes. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, he saves the day, figures out with her, and is able to sit down and work with her. Because how awkward would that be? You've created all these feelings for someone, and, and they don't have them for you, or they're married yeah. or whatever because you don't realize, and then you have to work with them. 
it's usually really awkward and it ends up not being awkward. Well, he, he does have to set that aside a little bit because, yeah. you know, the ship's in trouble. But but still, some people might not be able to do that. They would just be like, I'm devastated if the ship gets destroyed, so what? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, yeah, I think he has the presence of mind to, to, to do what needs to be done. And to be honest, I know this is a little harsh, but he's he may be used <laughs> to being disappointed, so... <laughs> 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 Poor guy, Sorry, Jordy. Yeah, <laughs> man. It, like, I, we, I think the first time I saw TNG, I was I was hoping that he'd have like some relationship that would work out, but just not meant to be. I think the writers got a certain like perverse pleasure in like disappointing him. Yeah, <laughs> well, but, but wouldn't it? It would ultimately break up, you know, Jordy and Data. So I mean, I, I mean, obviously that's mm. the real, in the sense, real relationship that that Jordy would, you know, yeah, technically have, but it wouldn't have to be romantic. And that's probably the only thing I could think of why they would do that was because it would ultimately break break that up. And mm-hmm. I mean, and they do so well with each other um, in, in pretty much everything that they uh, they do in all these episodes. So yeah. Oh yeah, I love J- Jordy and Data. So <laughs> that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, they're they're great. They're great together for sure. All right, so for my second choice, uh, so I had to think about this for a little bit, but when I came up with this choice, I thought, yes, that is definitely one that I want. And it is the next phase. So the next phase, it's one of my favorite episodes of TNG, but I I, I love that Jordy and Ro get in this situation where they're out of phase, they can't interact with other people. And I think, you know, he they find each other and, and Ro says, well, I guess we're dead now. And Jordy's like, well, you can believe that if you want, but I'm going to try to investigate and see what's going on here. And through the course of the episode, he's really like tenacious in his investigation. He's going to follow data around, see what happens, go to different places, you know, figure out some pieces to the point where he kind of convinces Ro what's what's going on. Um, and and also then this other Romulan that's out of phase comes over to, to the Enterprise and then he sees that Ro is in, in danger and he runs over and pushes the guy and he flies out out of the ship uh which is just one element of it but uh, and then i think at the at the end he's figuring out okay we just need to get them to have this big burst of whatever technobabble radiation right <laughs> that'll get them back in phase and it's something that's going to be like really painful and terrible but they're going to go through with it so i think he's put into this really difficult situation where maybe you know he could have accepted like okay we're dead whatever <laughs> and never come back but he is going to just be like really tenacious about it through the whole episode until they figure it out. And I just love that. No, that's a really good one. And isn't this the same episode where they figure out that by beaming over energy, it's actually going to destroy both the ships because there's like an alien being inside the Romulan's energy core? Part of, part of that, you're thinking of Timescape. Okay. Yeah. But but part of it you're you're I think you're right because there's this energy transfer and they're they they the Romulans have done something so that when the ener- they've transferred over something so that when the enterprise goes to warp it'll explode. Yeah. Okay. So and and that's what they need to warn them about. They're like don't go to warp there's this thing that's going on. But the other one I think you're thinking about is yeah there was a being like inside that's the, right. yeah. the the <laughs> the black hole inside the Romulan ship in Timescape which is another great episode but I know too all many. these Romulan too episodes. Many. Yeah, too I, many. I was just thinking about that one too. I was getting mixed up as well. I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait a second, wasn't there a shuttle in this too? I was like, 
I no, think the Romulans no. appear more in TNG than any other series. So there's a lot. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this is a really good one too. This is actually on my long list. This was one of my runners up. So okay. Yeah, it's a good one. It's amazing, and that you know he's like he figures out. Oh, if I keep sticking my hand in this spot, someone's gonna realize <laughs> that. Like, like, come on, Data. Come on, figure it out, Data. <laughs> oh, there's some more here. Oh, there's come on, Data. Put it together. And it, that's just so funny when he's having this dialogue with 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 Data, and Data is just being like so computer. Like, yeah, he's just not putting together all the pieces. <laughs> uh, yeah, but. But in, and it is one of those things where you know there are different episodes where Jordy figures out something and like through some technobabble solution. But this is the one where you see him like in the I think in the most number of scenes where he puts together this bit, this bit encourages you know Data or whoever to go this way and this way. It's like this really interesting thread, and he is. I mean, I, I know that it's both Jordy and Roe that are out of phase, and I love Roe in that episode as well. But I feel like it's kind of focused on Jordy more than anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is rare. <laughs> No, it's help. Yeah. So what do you think about Jordy in the next phase, Richard? I mean, it's a good episode. Don't make me wrong. We've we discussed it too. You know, I I don't I don't understand the physics of if they can walk through walls. And I how already can they... tried to explain this, didn't I? <laughs> about going Did I try to... to explain this here. Or was it just on Twitter? I... Okay, I'll I'll try to explain it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, like going through floors and all. I know that what you're kind, talking so. about, but but okay. So the explanation. Might as well go over it. So the explanation <laughs> is is that with like so on the ship they have this gravity plating and and it it helps to to kind of keep them to the floor no matter what phase that they're in but if they try to go through like a wall it doesn't have the gravity plating that's going to prevent them so they can push through because they're out of phase that's my explanation boom there you go i think it makes sense <laughs> I, however there yeah. there is one scene where that, that is i think wrong where Ro is on the bridge and she touches the console and doesn't her hand doesn't go through it so i think they mess up a little bit there but 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 i, th- I think it works because i would i would see it as these gravitons or whatever's coming up by the gravity plating can go across multiple phases mm-hmm. but the actual matter they can just kind of phase through it as if it's not there but but the gravity uh, the gravity plating is enough so that it can keep them to the floor so you're saying the walls are shells that's all they're doing. That's, they're doing Not that they're shells. It's it. It's just that 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 they they can like exert a force to push through it, and for the floor. They're they're not exerting a force. They're not like jumping up and down to go like through the floor. It it's it's like it's it's holding them just to the floor as it needs to, and they're not pushing down to try to go through the floor. Hmm. I know someone that this would be an excellent conversation to <laughs> ask him because he's a physicist. <laughs> it's yeah. the person who wrote. Well, no, I can't find it. It's back here on my bookshelf. So who is it you're thinking of? Uh, Dr. Ethan Siegel. Ethan Siegel, okay. He wrote the Technology book. He talked about the plating Ooh. and the gravity inside shit. I heard the episode, yeah. <laughs> he would be a good person to ask, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, that that was a little bit of a of a tangent, but uh, so that was my choice. Gravity and plating. <laughs> All right, so let's go into our third choices. So, Haley, what's your third choice if it hasn't already been taken by somebody else? <laughs> uh, yeah, so my third and final choice is Identity Crisis. Aha, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. So tell us why. <laughs> I know it's it's not necessarily like super great uh, Jordy saving the day kind of thing, that's but, the one where he's kind of turned into the blue-veined type yes. alien that you can only see in ultraviolet light, right? Yeah. Okay. 
So, but I like this because he was on this mission, this away mission, back on the victory, when he was on the victory, and he does this whole investigation. He's using the holodeck, not in a recreational way. It's it's to figure out what is going on. Mm, it shows mm-hmm. that inquisitive side that, you know, a scientist and engineer is going to have. And, you know, he's manipulating things inside the holodeck, which is really cool. And it's a test of character because... You know, he had that fear, and I've talked about this is one of my favorite episodes for Jordy in general, just because he turns into one of these creatures, and he goes down on the planet, and he leaves, but he's also, in the same time, has saved, and I'm going to say her name wrong, Lei Chin, or however you say her name, um, saved her, and she realizes what's going on, and then she, in turn, saves him, and, you know... She understood the fear that he was feeling and everything like that. And it speaks to that growth and stuff. But I love all the investigative stuff that he's doing beforehand, too. Yeah, I think it's one of the most creative uses of the holodeck and all of Star Trek to be able to say, okay, computer, you have this video record put together what that would look like and, you know, run it forward here, enhance this. I mean, it's it's really cool. Like I And I don't know if anywhere else we see the holodeck quite used like that as that kind of investigative tool and he is definitely going above and beyond because i guess he didn't have to do that but he's thinking this is going to give me some really great insight into what's going on and yeah it's 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 great and also he is going through this this struggle when he's on the planet and he's kind of been turned into this this alien creature with his you know an instinct he has then to kind of stay with them and kind of go back and he's able to kind of fight through that to to be able to to come back. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's great. What do you think, Richard? Whenever I think about this episode, I always think of, oh, it's that blue salamander-looking costume that Jordy yeah. uh, wears. And it's, I mean... I, it's not one of my. It's not one of the episodes that I always go back, uh, go back through um, quite often. But if I'm doing a rerun, then I'll watch it. And um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like, I like the episode. It's, it's the costume's weird, but, um, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, other than that, I mean, I, I, I just like you, Justin. I love the, the whole um, recreating um, the whole. I guess, in a sense, crime scene or what investigative scene or whatever you want to call yeah. it. But, I mean, we do see it in Voyager, too, with the movie theater. Oh, you're right. You are right. I don't yeah. remember the episode name, but, yeah. Yeah, but it was, it was... Yeah. Oh, no, no. I, I had forgotten about that. You're totally right. Because, of course, you know, Tom Paris has, has a holodeck movie theater, and there's some crime that happens, and they have to, yeah, actually see who's in the shadows. It is similar, isn't it? hmm <laughs> And that shadow part scared me. Every time, and it, like, pops up, and there's, like, there's a shadow here, and, like, why? And then he's, like, create the figure that's making this, and you're, like, holy crap, that's scary. (laughs) Oh, in Identity Crisis? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It is kind of scary. It's, like, whoa. So, yeah, I think that's a great choice. And and I think, as as we mentioned on um, a previous Earl Grey episode, that costume (laughs) for LeVar Burton took the most amount of effort of anything that Michael Westmore did between 1987 and 2005 for any makeup or prosthetics. Yeah. So it was incredibly involved, apparently. I can imagine it was. I mean, it, it is like not the best looking of things, but in the episode, it works. I definitely think so. You, you want to know what you want to know what my, my most scariest image of Star Trek is? <laughs> 
Sure, let's go into that. <laughs> the the alien from car- the Carbonite Maneuver. Oh, Baylock? Yeah. It's like it's like page five of the uh, Star Trek Encyclopedia, the first one. And I always skip that part because it scared the crap out of me when I watched it the first time. And I, I, for some really? reason, I, when I bought it um, when I was in high school, I, I just skipped over it. I'm like, nope, mm-mm. I don't want to see that. <laughs> I understand that. That's funny because for me, I was like, oh, it looks like a puppet. But <laughs> I know, but it's just what, it, yeah, the image just doesn't do well with me. <laughs> I can I can totally see that. Now it's going to bug me what that Voyager episode is, is called. It's the one uh, where... Repression. Um, Sorry, I looked it up. It's called Repression. There you go. Yep. I just know what happened. I don't really remember the name. Yeah, where all, all these people being assaulted. Yep, yep. But the movie theater, you're right. Dang. Okay. Well, great choice. So, uh, Richard, your third choice. Okay. So, are you, are you um, unsure about this one? Uh, well, <laughs> it's the it's it's just like my last one because I I really had difficulties with this. I mean, um, but like it. Uh, I mean, I see. Okay. So again, it's it's realm of fear. Um, obviously, this is more centralized around Barkley uh, uh, due to yep. his um, transportation psychosis or what he thinks he has. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's a great episode. I mean, uh, I mean, talk about fear, you know, obviously the, the, the dangers of space and everything and, and whatnot. And really, it's more about him getting over it. But like, what, what, when the reason why I bring up Jordy is because, you know, yeah, in the beginning, he's like, what are you? What are you freaking out about? You know, sort of thing. We haven't had an accident. In what? What two accidents in the last ten years? And psychosis hasn't happened in fifty years. And yeah, he was. He's like, in a sense, like batting him down with all these stats and um, basically trying to ease his mind by you know pr- bringing logic to the whole entire trans uh, transporter. And I guess in the end, when he finally actually, you know, Barclay's actually, you know, there's a real issue going on. That Jordy actually realizes that hey you're doing you're 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 not you're not making this stuff up <laughs> you're not hallucinating so um and then it turns from you know that supervisorial kind of role of like rolling your eyes but like okay he's making this up to like oh you know I'm I'm this very concerned person and you know um I've seen I think I've seen that this is the second time we've seen it um where he's done that to uh, to Barkley before where. I can't remember the episode where he had the um, holographic um, addiction. Is it, is it the first one with Barclay Hollow Pursuits? No, is, is it Hollow Pursuits? And no, it wasn't it degree. No, it was. What, it what was happens what, to Barclay in that one? Where we see Picard obviously as the three, uh, three Musketeers. Uh, yeah, that's Hollow Pursuits. Is yeah. it Hollow Pursuits? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you know, basically, we see that, and then we and you would think that he would actually, you know got through that but uh and actually start believing him <laughs> from the get-go but um yeah so i just think that's a great character development so it's so it's uh it's jordy later on being more supportive yeah there you go okay nah, possibly nah. reaching a bit but yeah <laughs> <laughs> like i said it was i was it was difficult for me to think of it well when when you posed topics to me, I, I was going to be really rude and, and say I wanted to talk about Wesley. So at least we're talking about Jordy. Ooh. <laughs> and just out of curiosity, if you had wanted to talk about Wesley, what aspect would you have wanted to talk about in order to infuriate uh, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, just 
just Wesley in general. I mean, that's a whole nother thing that um, goes into my childhood and, and why TNG is so important to me. So it's just kind of Wesley in general. Okay, that's fine. You know, um, sometime when Richard is away, <laughs> you, Amy, and I will talk about Wesley because I think we're fine with Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you might as well Richard. bring Amy in there too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. You're away, and Amy is here, and and uh... see, I had a, I I actually didn't think we were gonna bring him up at all. I was like, <laughs> all right, we're gonna. It's like I I thought you were gonna say something like during uh, Samaritan Snare or something like that. I was like, no, she didn't say anything. That's good. All right, <laughs> so, but we got through this far. <laughs> all right, so <laughs> let me go to my my third pick. So. It's interesting because I think this is shortly after the next phase. It's Iborg. Mm. And mm. of course that focuses on on Hugh, but in that episode there's one particular part that I'll that I'll highlight. But I do like that, you know, Jordy is given this kind of directive to to figure out how to destroy the Borg and what he can do. So he's so he's talking to Hugh and he, he's the one who gives his him his name of Hugh, so he kind of humanizes him i guess you could say but what i like in particular and that is really important in the episode is when jordy's talking to guinan and i'm just going to read out the exchange here because i think it's it's really great and kind of points to this really strong moment where where jordy is going to be an advocate for for hugh so jordy says you know it's funny when i first created this invasive program i didn't have a problem with it the more I work with Hugh, the more I... And Guinan says, Hugh? That's what we call him. You name the Borg? Well, it was easier to have something to call him. Oh, so now you have a Borg named Hugh. Right, and he's nothing like what I expected. How so? I don't know. It's like he's just some kid who's far away from home. Do you know that you're the second person today to refer to that Borg as though it were some sort of lost child? Anyway, I'm having second thoughts about what we're doing here. I mean, programming him like some sort of walking bomb, sending him back to destroy the others. And Guinan says, let me tell you something. When that kid's big brothers come looking for him, they're not going to stop until they find him. And then they're going to come looking for us, and they will destroy us. And they will not do any of the soul searching that you are apparently doing right now. And Jordy says, then why don't you go and talk to him? It might not be so clear cut then. And Guinan says, because I wouldn't have anything to say. And then Jordy says, then why don't you just listen? That is what you do best, isn't it? So I love that that whole exchange. And I think this is one of the few times where somebody really pushes back against Guinan and is like, come on, Guinan, you're supposed to listen to people and make a conclusion. I know you've had this really traumatic experience with the Borg, but I feel like this is different. And let's see if you feel the same way once you talk to him. And that changes kind of everything in, in the episode. And I think it, it took a lot of, of courage for him to to do that. And I, I very much like what you you see in Iborg because you you really do get back to this was a person who was, you know, violently put into this this Borg collective. And when you remove that collective, they're a person who's scared. So, and and Jordy can really see that, and he's going to push Guinan to see that, who then pushes Picard to see that. So, I, I had to choose that because I just I, I just love what he does there. That's that's a really really good one, and I had considered it, and it kind of you know was on the longer list. But 
it's it's amazing that you know we get these moments with Jordy and his character and and they're not always necessarily yeah the hoorah I'm gonna punch somebody kind of moments but he has these things where he's got some insight or he grows as a character himself and you're just like that is really like that's what we should be and that's what humanity is and and putting that trying to put back the humanity in in a Borg is really interesting. I mean, we get that later with seven of nine, but, you know, yeah. No, it's a good pick. No, thanks. That's a girl. I didn't even think about that. I mean, that's a really good pick. I actually, yeah, I wish I'd have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Honestly, I forgot about that entire episode until you just said it. And I'm like, oh. Well, you know, as I was looking up more things, I was like, oh, there was this thing in Iborg. Because I actually went and I, I, I actually got the idea because there, like, I think it was six years ago, there was a... There was a post that the official Star Trek uh, account had put out, like, what's your favorite Geordie moment? So I was looking through all these comments, and I was like, oh, Iborg, there we go. So I didn't think of it immediately, but it's, and it gets overlooked in that episode, I think, but, but yeah. Hmm. Glad you think it's a good pick. No, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think it, it also hints at some of the potential, like, he can see things from a certain perspective that can be really helpful, and unfortunately, what people tend to focus on is like his failed relationships or you know he was a jerk to scotty or whatever right they focus on those those more negative aspects or always being a jerk to barclay or whatever but there are these moments where you see it kind of peek through that there was a lot more potential to the character and i think that's one of them yeah and that's that's one of the main reasons that i really love jordy is because he does have that potential and and i think he does grow a lot more than some of the other characters that we get. We all get growth from all of them, but I think Jordy, his growth progresses over the entire run of the show, I think. So so I'm, I'm just curious about that before we go a little further. So like in, I, I mean, obviously one way that, that he grows is he goes from being Helm to, to chief engineer, but what other ways do you think he grows over like the series and the movies? I think that he learns a lot. And as he, you know, as he interacts with the crew, he he takes things and he learns things as he gets experience. And and he just, I know we still get later episodes where he doesn't have the best of relationships. There's that one episode, and I can't remember what one it is, but he's on the beach. He creates the beach scene <laughs> in the holodeck. Yeah, I think that's actually during Galaxy's Child. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the beginning that's of right. it. That's right. Yep. Um, and he's totally heavy-handed. He's like, play violin. It's like, come on, Jordy. That's way too much. And you the guy was like, that. not even like, you know, like w- being not creepy at all. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. <laughs> but I mean, if you take a look and, and he has moments, but again, I think we get that with some of our other characters that they're not treated how they would be treated at that point, you know, come season five, six, or seven. We get it with, with Crusher. We get it with Troy. But I think overall, he just, he tends to just kind of keep going up in, in what he's given as an actor for the writing. And he doesn't make the same mistakes over and over again. And whether that's just because the writers were like, okay, Jordy's not going to keep acting this way or, you know, they just give him that growth and then come first contact. I mean, yeah, he's geeking out over Zephram Cochran, but hello, who wouldn't? But <laughs> he's he's very mature and he understands his role and his position and he's commanding, but he's not demanding. And and I think it's great. I just, yeah, 
just love Jordy. Uh, yeah, I, th- I, I, I think that uh, you, you put in a little tagline that kind of sums them up, commanding but not demanding. That may be the episode title as well. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Richard, sorry, you were going to say something? Well, I was just thinking, it's like, you know, uh, maybe maybe the focus of this, was, or at least for me it was, uh, maybe the focus of this entire thing was, like, him on his own. Um, I mean, obviously we see Jordy. I mean... I guess maybe supporting actor would not be a good would would not be a good title for it, but for sure he's he's. In, I mean, we always see him with someone else, and usually it's Data. We for sure see him grow. I mean, uh, I mean they uh, they both obviously learn. I don't know about Data. Maybe Data just stores it and just be like, okay, well, we'll just use this for another time or for for whatever reason. But what I was, uh, what I'm thinking is like you know. Thinking on his own, you know, obviously he's he doesn't do entirely too well, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, um, I just think I think uh, I mean every time I th- every time I think of him, he's always with someone, and he's always doing something, and that that could very be, uh, be beneficial to him to his character as well. So, but like, I mean, maybe I was just thinking about this the whole on uh, a whole different way by thinking <laughs> an episode specifically just for him, versus, you know, where he's with another character. So yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I know it took a little detour there, but uh, I also wanted to see, since we've gone through our, our uh, three picks, mm. uh, Haley, did you have honorable mentions or other ones you wanted to mention? Uh, no, because you already mentioned the next phase. So that was, that was on my list. Um, and then, you know, again, and I don't remember the episode because I'd have to look it up. But again, where he's talking with Pulaski and she's like, I could give you eyes. And he tells her no. I think hands down that is just that is one of my favorite moments of his character overall. Isn't that the beginning of season two? Might, well, it's might in be season the two because it's, it's Pulaski, and, and yeah. she's the one who's like, <laughs> "I could give you eyes," and he kind of acts like no one has ever said that to him before, and and it's like he doesn't even he kind of ponders it for a moment, but then he's like, "No, why would I change it? This is who I am," and. And it could be because this is how he's grown up and everything. But yeah. I mean, at any point in his childhood, his parents could have done something, and and they didn't. And you know, I just I love that moment. Okay, so it's loud as a whisper is the episode. Ah, okay. Yeah, and and it and it's one of those things that's kind of thrown in there because it doesn't really have to do with what's going on in the episode. But it yeah, it's it's very interesting that he's made this this choice. Like, well, no, I want to keep this way because that's that's just how i am <laughs> so yeah uh richard i think the answer is probably no but any honorable mentions <laughs> the answer is no answer is no all right well i i i did have so it's interesting because i i did actually eventually have a longer list and i was like does that work no um <laughs> Actually, one of the ones that I had originally had on my list was in Disaster when he's with uh, Beverly Crusher in, in the shuttle bay. Oh, yeah. And they have to deal with these barrels and the radiation. And he actually comes up with a great plan. The only reason I didn't pick it was, <laughs> was that when they implement it and they decompress the, the shuttle bay, he like goes like two steps and then he falls down and it's Crusher that hits the button to <laughs> recompress it. So it's like, mm, maybe not quite as badass. But uh, but I do I do like... The way he was, and that's one of the few times that you see him working with with Beverly Crusher. So I think that's cool, and and they're putting together this great plan that that saves the ship. But yeah, actually, there were there were a couple of others that I had. You, you mentioned it a little bit, but we didn't really talk too much about the movies. But I like in First Contact 
that Jordy is there with Riker and Zephram Cochran in the cockpit of the Phoenix. And, you know, it's important to ensure that all of this happens because of what happens in the future. But it's it's a bit of a, a risk, right? You know, this this first warp vehicle and, you know, the Borg had damaged it somewhat. But but he's totally like all in and and going to go on the mission. And I think it's that's pretty badass for him doing that and being part of that moment. See, I stayed away from the movies. That that was, I mean, I was thinking just... Well, he doesn't get a whole lot to do in the movies. No, I know, but he's got a few of them. I mean, but like, I, it's still, I mean, I, 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 was, I was thinking the movies. I was like, oh, should we say something about the movies or should we just stay on the TV show? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we just did. So I, I like I like that from I like that from from first contact. And the other thing is, I like uh, in relics when he's working with Scotty. I know he's kind of a bit of a jerk to yeah. Scotty at first, mm-hmm. but they get to the point toward the end of the episode where they have a good relationship. They've gotten over that. They're working together, and they kind of come up together with this really great plan to use this old ship, the the Janolin, to kind of jam open this hatch mm-hmm. so the Enterprise can fly through. The only reason it was an honorable mention is, like, yeah, they were talking about it, but it was, a lot of it was Scotty's plan. <laughs> it wasn't quite as much Geordi's plan, but it was great how they were working together, and I really like that, so. Well, and that's great, you know, that's one thing that is great, too, is Geordi, he, he works well with the team, because not everybody does, mm. and mm-hmm. not... You know, some of the other previous engineers that we see in season one, they're not like, they don't stay chief engineer for a reason. They're not exactly a team player. And I think they actually mention it so that there's multiple chief engineers for whatever reason in this first season. Yeah. Which is weird. (laughs) So I think we go through like three before Jordy becomes chief engineer. And then it's just Jordy the rest of the time. So, you know, but I mean. He's a great engineer. (laughs) He is. And. And he has all these great ideas and, you know, eventually Picard comes to listen to him and respects him and that's great. And and so I think that's that speaks to his growth and of his character that, you know, he is that team player and someone that Picard can trust. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and I think we've talked about it a little bit, but let's more formally say, Haley, your final thoughts on, on Jordy, the moments we've talked about today and, you know, your thoughts on his character. Um, yeah, if my final thoughts are if you if you haven't ever considered Jordy as as a very good character, hopefully this kind of somewhat changes your mind. Um, go back and and kind of take a look at a new lens for Jordy and see what you think. And you can tell me and tweet at me your thoughts on Jordy. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And and definitely if Jordy is one of your favorite characters or your favorite character, let Haley know. I'm sure she'd be happy to know that, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh Richard, your final thoughts? Um it's you know, I never thought of him. I never thought of him as a separate character as like uh like just in general. I mean, I, I guess really thinking about it and actually hearing you guys' responses, yeah, I, I'm i going to have to go uh, go back and revisit, and I'm probably going to have to do that for all the characters now because I'm just thinking about it as like, you know, as much trash that we give for, or at least I give for Troy and all that kind of stuff, I need to go back and actually um, and look at all that as well. And so. Wesley, I think we need to have an episode in the future where we talk about our favorite Wesley moments because Richard, <sighs> there's got to be three of them. <laughs> I don't know. That's pushing it. I don't know. You might have to get some like those hey, eyelid. I things won't push it as it. far as saying badass <laughs> Wesley moments because I think we'd struggle with that. But favorite, maybe. 
Ugh. But anyway, we'll sorry, you, we'll were, see. you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> but the, yeah, we should uh, definitely it opened my eyes a little bit more, and um, I'm I'm gonna have to um, revisit uh, those moments that he has. Okay. Well, shoot, I might as well just do a rewatch. There you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see you in a couple days. Cause, uh, <laughs> well, maybe, like, let's see. If you watched it 24 hours a day for a week, I think you'd get through all seven seasons. So. <sighs> and I do, do work that. from home, so I can just watch it <laughs> while sleep. I'm working at the same time. So, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. No, but, I mean, that's, no that, that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so, so for my final thoughts, I mean, like, I, I think I fall somewhere between you, Haley, and you, Richard, because Jordy's not my favorite character, but I didn't like. I, I struggled a bit at first, but not a whole lot because I, I, I've always liked Jordy as a character. I love what Lavar Burton does, and just felt like there could have been, he could have been used in a better way or, or used more often. But in, in looking back at this, I did get more of an, an appreciation because I think for the, the different moments that, that we had, you know, there was one that I had where, where he was in command, which is a certain kind of moment, right? And then there were other ones where he's kind of figuring things out, like in, in Samaritan Snare or in uh, Identity Crisis. Uh, there are other ones where he's being supportive, like for, for Realm of Fear, um, in the enemy, where uh, he's in this tough situation, but he's really going to persevere. In Iborg, where he's using the power of his words to convince Guinan. Uh, the next phase, where he's just kind of tenaciously going at this investigation, but also has a physical confrontation. So it helped me to appreciate that there is just this, you know, a, a lot of different kinds of things that you see Jordy do if you really kind of take a look at it and zo- and like zoom in right on his character. So I had more of appreciation and, you know, I wish he could have been better used. I maybe half expected that one of you might say Jordy and all good things because I think he has an interesting role to play there hmm. or, or just as an unexpected thing, maybe say Captain LaForge from Voyager's Timeless, but... <laughs> Which would be funny, but we didn't have a barrel roll. I mean, that's what most people think Jordy you know of is the barrel roll, and his character's that. more than just a barrel roll. <laughs> he did, yeah, more than just a barrel roll in bad relationships. <laughs> but you're right; people do think of the barrel roll because he's he does that really well. And actually, like as I was looking through this, I saw somebody comment like, "If someone from the bridge." calls Jordy and he shouts out LaForge here you know that you're in a lot of trouble <laughs> so like there's this whole thing where like again and again like he he's in this everything's going bad and he has to be like a forge here everything's terrible <laughs> you know so but he ends up saving the day I mean he does a lot of the time so. yeah. he does he does yeah yep. he does except for that one time in generations when his visor was basically responsible for Totally <laughs> bringing down the but, ship. <laughs> yeah, for that. But other than that, yeah. So anyway, I, I think it's been interesting to really look through all of these moments, and I got more of appreciation. I'm glad you did, Richard, and I'm glad Haley, you got to talk about your favorite character. Now, I think you said favorite character. Is it just favorite on TNG or favorite in Star Trek? Favorite on TNG. Okay, but but definitely my so far my my complete favorite because I'm not a completist, mm-hmm. so. Out of TNG, TOS, and DS9, he's my favorite. And who, who's your favorite so far in all of uh, Star Trek? <sighs> I know I'm putting you on the spot. You are. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? Because I, I associate with him. Uh, it's going to be Spock, but then, you know, okay. Scotty's right there, too. I like my engineers. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there you go. 
Not a bad choice. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I think this has been uh, a great topic. Thanks for suggesting that we talk about uh, Jordy Haley. Well, and you. Uh, let our listeners uh, know where they can find you online. Uh, yeah, you can find me over on Twitter. I am at Trekkie01D. You can also find me on the Babel Conference and Standard Orbit. Yeah. And again, listeners, if you haven't checked out Standard Orbit, it's a great show. You really should. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks so much for being here today. We really appreciate you guesting on Earl Grey. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right. So a preview of next week's episode, we will be continuing our favorite character moments, this time from the movie First Contact. Excited about that, Richard? Woo! Yeah, I'm excited. I'm totally excited about it. I don't I think listeners might know, but First Contact is my favorite Star Trek movie. It's also my favorite movie period of any movie, so uh, it's going to be hard for me to narrow it down to a couple choices, to be honest. Of any movie? Like, of period, movie. period? Period. Every period, movie. Period. Every movie. Every movie that's been out every since movie. God knows how long. No, I haven't seen every movie that's ever been out. Every movie that I have ever seen, it's number one. Oh, okay. I know that's okay. an unusual position to take, but I'll talk about it more in the next episode. Okay. But yes, any movie. So that'll be really exciting. And I know Amy's not here to say it, but I think she likes it. Maybe as much as Nemesis. <laughs> I don't know. So. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a flip on that one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, it's been so much fun uh, talking with Haley and Richard about our favorite badass Geordie moments and not talking about Wesley. But that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, continuing mission. You know, another production. And now. Another fourth, I think. Yeah, <laughs> but now they are. And that in itself seems to me to be laying the, the roots or the basis for something that could grow bigger sometime in the future. I mean, let's get this one out of the way and then see where it goes <laughs> from there. But, but now you have a collective. Earl Grey. Detecting Romulan life forms. Oh, sorry. Did you say there are Romulan life forms? Yeah. No, I said there was. There, there, there used to be. So used you, to be you, you detect fate signs. Forms. What have you guys created? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So there are life forms. Interesting. Fascinating. I was, 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 was life forms. They're gone now, but there was traces of life forms that were present at the um, at the shuttlecraft. Oh my goodness. Dead Starfleet officers, dead Romulans. This isn't really helping much, is it? <laughs> Standard orbit. This episode is emblematic of how it wanted to grab the bull by the proverbial horns and, and wrestle those kinds of issues to the ground and serve as an example of, uh, of where a certain subset of people stood at the time in trying to react to the craziness of their own world and... And that's, that's one of the things that I just continuously love about this show. The 602 Club. And, and that's the thing. I, I think you need a movie like this because most of the time when we think about astronauts and the, the, these heroes who do these extraordinary things, um, we're painting with a very broad brush. Um, e even in the right stuff, which, uh, like I said, it at least gives you some differences in the personalities of those guys. This is like, you know, the, this masterclass in the in this psychology of this one particular person. 
And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple uh, Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and review that helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways you can do that. The best place to do that is on the larger conversation in the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM. So Richard, where can people contact you when you're not saving the day while in command of the Enterprise D? Oh man, I'd never leave it. <laughs> You'd want to be in that captain's chair all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just get, I'll just get my phone and um, just stay on the bridge in the captain's seat and just respond that way. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to imagine uh, the next generation with them having like their phones and iPads and well they do kind of have iPads. I guess their phones on the bridge. See, I would like. think that they would have some kind of messaging system uh within the stars. You know, just like what we said, Facebook or something like that or I don't know. Well, Picard does send a text message to Deanna about in Nemesis about yeah. uh, crashing into the Scimitar. So they have But yeah, I I know they must have something like that. It's actually kind of interesting because I'm trying to remember which one it was. I think it was Spock's World, a novel from 1988 by Diane Duane. Mm -hmm. It actually talks about what is basically like, it's not social media. It's more like bulletin board services that they had back then. Sort of like threads and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it would be like, oh, I'm posting this thing and there'd be anonymous people posting stuff. It was very ahead of its time and actually current with some of the stuff that was going on then, but... That's one of the few places I've seen anywhere in Star Trek where they do something like that. You know, I'm just I was just thinking it was like what was what was like the equivalent of so, uh, social media back then. I think I uh was it ICQ uh ICQ was uh, was big back then? Big wasn't around back that far, I think. 92. Well, that was more instant messaging, but but what they had like in the late 80s when that book was written was I guess they were BBS's bulletin board services where mm-hmm. you could just post a message and get a message back. So mm. But anyway, we've gone way off topic. Where I know. can people find you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't find me on any of those those platforms, but you guys can find me on Facebook. I pop in here and there on the Bible Conference. And you guys can also contact me on Twitter. My handle is xransom. So, Justin, where can people contact you when you're not trying to figure out a way to get back in phase with our reality? Okay, I'm back in phase now. <laughs> Man, <laughs> Just don't go through painful. the floor. You couldn't hear me <laughs> scream, but... <laughs> well uh now that i've figured out a way to get back in phase with our own reality you can find me on twitter i'm at trekfan4747 where i tweet about nothing but star trek currently tweeting out my season six rewatch of the next generation yes it's been going on for a while but i'm getting toward the end of season six we're getting there uh and you can also find me hanging around the babel conference on facebook if you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week you can become a patron of the network on patreon 
visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Appel. Thank you for supporting Trek FM, and as always, Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Today is a good day to die! Why don't you just listen? That is what you do best, isn't it? Mm-hmm.